0: Welcome to another episode of For the Good of the Game, a unique podcast dedicated to providing football insights and life skills. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of For the Good of the Game. Today we have the distinct pleasure of hosting Lifford Hobley, former LSU Tiger, go Tigers, national champs and 2020 as the 2019 season, but Lifford uh, is a guy that I met through my association with uh, Major League Football. We've done several coordinated events here in the Dallas area. Uh, Lifford played, as I said, at LSU and uh, was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in the third round in 1985 draft. And uh, he was with the Steelers and uh, St. Louis his first year and then ultimately ended up with the Miami Dolphins and finished a a very strong eight-year career in the NFL with the Dolphins. So uh, I would first of all like to uh, officially welcome Lifford Hobley to the uh, to the show. Thanks for being here, Coach.
1: Oh, Coach, thanks for inviting me. I uh, was pleased that you called and said yes to uh, being on the show. I think it's a great opportunity for us to talk about some of the things here we do uh, as NFL alumni after your career.
0: That's absolutely awesome. I uh, I I will bring up a couple of. Uh, Uh, Different things, but one of the things I want the the crowd to know here is that uh, Lifford is the sitting president of the Dallas chapter of the NFL Alumni Association. I've been involved with uh, several different events in this area and Lifford's been very instrumental in helping us coordinate and get to the place we needed to be to run these events. So it's all, it's all worked out well. I want to go back and just give you an opportunity to kind of give us a quick synopsis of, of kind of how you got your start in football, your football <laughs> journey from beginning up through when you went to LSU to play.
1: Oh my goodness. I, uh, started, uh, just went out for a team when I was, uh, nine, ten years old. Uh, my first position was center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, basically I was a better athlete than a lot of the kids. So, Our coach needed someone to protect the quarterback and get the ball to him. No one could actually do that. So I actually engaged, and I was able to do that. My first time touching a football, going on a football field, I was a center.
0: Isn't that crazy to end up playing safety? Isn't that weird? Exactly, exactly.
1: (laughs) And, you know, after the Little League football, you move up to, you get to middle school, and they recognize your talent, and then, of course, you start to move around. They start to put you in positions where you can actually really helped the team so at Broadmoor Junior High I became a running back uh two years a year later I was the quarterback and from on and on through high school I played quarterback as an athlete I very seldom got a, got plays in a, on defense because uh coaching at our coach in high school wanted to protect his quarterbacks and of course you got a few reps here and there but not very few, not very many
0: sure I understand
1: and then on from high school I got an opportunity to uh obtain a scholarship even though I had it, a lot of major universities uh interested uh going to bird high school where the purple and gold sort of resonated with uh going directly to LSU mm. wasn't my first visit as a official visit I actually uh visited Ole Miss and Tulane University uh before I actually visited LSU as an option and uh just happened to see a lot of similarities a lot of relationships of players that i played against in high school mm-hmm. and some that i admired as players in high school so lsu is my choice
0: that's outstanding i uh, i know that they have come a long way and had uh uh you know there was kind of a of late kind of a circuitous route back to the national championship interestingly enough going through uh, Alabama are trying a couple of times prior to defeating them in the playoffs. Right. And, uh, of course, Nick Saban having coached LSU to a national championship was, you know, a kind of interesting. So what were the, who were the coaches you played for when you were there?
1: I was recruited, uh, that, uh, gentleman that rarely gets talked about or basically, uh, discussed in the LSU conversation is Bo Ryan, mm-hmm. who was a head coach at North Carolina State. Sure bought his entire staff to uh, Baton Rouge to uh engage as the head coach in nineteen eighty. Um I signed with Bo Ryan, uh letter of intent to basically just, hey, I'm I'm gonna try you as a quarterback coming in LSU. Unfortunately, Coach Ryan uh basically, uh after signing a couple of players that night, flew back to Baton Rouge and his plane crashed. Mm-hmm. So he died in a plane crash and never got to address or coach the team. But I stayed a course, and Jerry Stovall took over as the head coach, uh, former LSU great and uh, former former St. Louis Cardinal as well. Sure, uh, I trusted in his words of basically me coming in and you know getting the right opportunity to play at LSU. When I walked on campus, I thought I was a quarterback. When I walked in my locker room, I got number twenty nine really big number for a quarterback. So I accepted it. I accepted that challenge and it it turned out to be an amazing opportunity for me. My future basically predicated on being able to make changes. Sure. And uh, I was willing to make that change. And a lot of players get to college and they get stuck on opportunities that they don't see, Mm -hmm. which is changing positions. And if you can transition to a different position and see it as an asset to your organization, to or to the college, then of course you've made that uh, you you can make those transition at the next level as well.
0: Now, do you think that transitioning to defense and specifically to safety, having played quarterback, gave you a little bit kind of in the division in reverse? You know, you were looking oh, at it from the other end.
1: I can imagine every safety in the NFL at one point had played some quarterback in their lifetime as a as a you know be either a young player coming up as a kid. And, of course, yes, it does. It really does help you focus on some of the things that happen on the other side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And you're actually that signal caller on the defensive side of the ball, so you can actually see those changes and get your guys in the right position. Absolutely. Even a defensive line. You can actually get calls up to that level where they can actually make the changes they need to be aggressive as well.
0: And did you when you went to LSU – as you walked in the door and, as you said, went to the locker room and saw number 29, uh, did you necessarily at that point have aspirations of trying to go to the league, or was it more about, I'm just going to try and survive here at the major college level?
1: It was, because I had no idea. Uh, as a student coming in my freshman year, my first day of practice was all of the players broken into their individual groups. hmm When I broke into my group, I was the only defensive back standing on the field. Wow. So I had Coach Greg Williams and uh, Coach Buddy Green. uh, Pretty took times uh, putting me through drills for about 20 (laughs) minutes every day, (laughs) trying to break me, trying to make me basically just fall off my game, but never happened. I went through it like it, you know, just kind of engaged it and uh, accepted the challenge and being able to have the endurance to run all day made them happy they were pleased
0: do you think that that going through that uh, albeit somewhat unplanned going through that transition and then going through the the university of hard knocks so to speak coming in learning a new position everything do you think that that made you a little more hungry a little more competitive when you did get drafted and went into the NFL
1: you know it uh basically as as a player coming out as an NFL going into the NFL I still think I wasn't prepared Uh, mentally and, uh, physically, yes, Mm -hmm. mentally prepared. Uh, basically I look back at my career and where I sat in the draft and also the team I was drafted by and looking at what the, basically the players that they had, Mm -hmm. uh, at at the time, not knowing, but not knowing what I know today, wish I had got drafted by a different team.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So it, it. You, you As you comment as coming out, you know, you, a lot of times, and I've actually talked to other coaches, other former players about this. Um, you made the comment that it, it, sometimes you wish you'd have gone to a different team initially, but, um, you know, there are many times, and I don't think a lot of people understand that it is so dependent on when a guy is drafted, unless he happens to be a, the top 10 guy in the draft, right. you know, for, but certainly beyond the first round. There are still a heck of a lot of players that come out of college that oh, don't yeah. fit the system or get into bad situations for their ability and the scheme they played in. So talk a little bit about that, you know, as far as the challenges that you felt, you know, moving to safety and then going up, you know, when well, you finally got to the when Dolphins. I, when
1: I got to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. uh, I rarely got a a rep at safety. I was a nickelback in a corner. Ah, okay. Uh, due to my speed and size, mm-hmm. they tried that. Um, and then, of course... Right at the end of when I got did get released, uh, there was an article that was written actually uh, by one of the writers in Pittsburgh, and I still have that article. Basically, it was actually looking. I was actually looking at the article, and it seems like I was actually already being released before I even stepped on the field. Wow! So <laughs> when I looked at the article and really read it, I went, "How's that possible?" I haven't played it down. And they're saying I'm having a hard time and struggling getting the cunts gaining the you know confidence of the coaches when we haven't even played a down yet or practice a down. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of one of those articles that kind of I when I went back to it, I went, Wow, that's kind of crucial. If I'd have saw that basically before, you know, training camp started, I would actually address the coach and said, Hey, what is this? Yeah, You're having this absolutely. conversation with writers, but we haven't I haven't touched the fill yet but you know, that was neither here nor there. I got an opportunity. And then of course it didn't work out for me. But once I actually looked at the other options, I got a chance again in St. Louis, uh, played about seven games with the Cardinals. They had to make some transitions to bring another veteran player back. Mm -hmm. So I was released, but still a Cardinal, for the entire year. So if anything happens, I can always, they can always transition me back, uh, as an active player. With that said, I, took an opportunity and uh, took some advice from my college coach who was at the end of my career at LSU, Bill Lunsbarger came okay. on my senior year, put us through a really rigorous um, program for about four months. We got it. We understood it. We accepted the challenge, and we went 10-1-1 his first year. Um, when I needed advice, I went back to my old coach who was a Dolphin defensive coordinator for 30 years. And, uh, he basically encouraged me to sign with the Dolphins.
0: Interesting.
1: And in 86, I did. I went to the Miami Dolphins training camp, uh, walked in, had some of the information I already needed. Uh, being that I left LSU my senior year, some of that information was, uh, entrenched in my mind, the defense concept of what the Dolphins were looking for. Um, unfortunately they decided to stay with their progression that they had in place with their safeties, veteran safeties. And, Mm -hmm. uh, I went back home after training camp, took on a job and worked for a whole year as an insulator for a company, uh, in Baton Rouge and, uh, just a regular guy, just a regular guy. I (laughs) basically didn't have time to work out because that 10 hour day came every day. (laughs) But uh, honestly, I went back to the Dolphins based on the knowledge that I already had. It wasn't about the money. It was about making the team and showing all of the different coaches that didn't give me an opportunity that I could actually play.
0: You know, it's interesting. Uh, you are among a handful of guys that I know and have interviewed or talked to offline that have had that type of experience and, uh, what do you want to call it you know the chip on your shoulder or whatever it is it's there sometimes the internal uh, force that pushes you is much more powerful than the external motivation because you want to prove it to them and you want to prove it to yourself that's for sure you know and, and I think sure. that's that's a powerful message to a lot of young athletes um you know we've seen them at a couple of different places most recently oh, yeah. I was here back here when we did the tryout camp exactly uh, for uh uh, MLFB in March. But uh, I, I see that a lot, and you see that kind of grit and determination in a lot of those young young players' faces, and and that's a good thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, the transition and coming back, and I know that you've worked here and been in the area for a while, but you are the current sitting president of the Dallas chapter of the NFL alumni. I know that the various different chapters across the country have various levels of involvement and activity within their organizations. But I happen to know that this one is, you know, up and coming as well as ongoing because Certainly. you've really put some fuel behind it. Um, what type of activities are you guys involved in the Dallas community and what specifically are you working on right now?
1: Well, we're Caring for Kids organization, first of all, and caring for our own. Uh, right now, i working to get more of our players active. Some of a lot of our players are already active in the community out mm-hmm. there. Uh, on their own behalfs, uh, most of our guys a lot of our guys have nonprofit organizations so what I'm will looking to do in the future any event that we plan would be for an NF, one of our NFL alumni players a uh, nonprofit, we can separate the funds that are created and basically have them distribute the funds up to other nonprofits organizations as well, okay including theirs. It gives us an opportunity to put funds into Nonprofit organizations' hands that actually are having a hard time uh, getting that dose funds delivered through sponsorships uh, through event planning. We want to help them with those things as well.
0: Mm-hmm. How big is the chapter uh, the active members of the chapter here right? We now?
1: are here in Dallas, I would say about I'd say about four to five hundred active
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, members, which is hey, hundred dollars a year, you have a membership. We also have a lot of associate members in our community as well. Uh, with that said, I, I have over 600 cheerleaders in the Dallas community that are active members. Wow. And there's another four to 500 players that are active members, but we have over 1,500 former NFL players living in the Dallas Fort Worth community. And then of course, I'm responsible for East Texas as well. there's several hundred players in that area. And then we have another area that I actually uh, hold near to dear to my heart, which is my hometown, Shreveport, Louisiana. I actually own that territory all the way down to Alexandria, so we do have active, active members of a few hundred, not only LSU, but Louisiana Tech, Southern University, Grambling, uh, those state schools. Uh, members that are active members at NFL alumni. That's awesome.
0: That's really I, and and I don't think a lot of people necessarily understand that. Um, and, and I, I want to make a point too because something that I've learned that was very distressing for me, um, and it had to do with uh, when I was uh, dealing with the St. Louis uh, or, or the Phoenix Cardinals now uh, alumni association, and uh, of course Kwame Lasseter who uh-huh. passed, uh, who yeah. you know tragically passed last year. Um, and I had become friends and, uh, uh, I didn't know that in almost every statistically in almost every major NFL city in the United States, you know, for every member that's actively involved, you may have two or three that unfortunately are on, you know, hit hard times right. because guys do start to play pro ball and whether it's mismanagement, misfortune, mm-hmm. bad luck, whatever, um, end up without a whole lot of contacts or context in their life true. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's nice that organizations like the alumni association in each city, especially where they have strong chapters can hopefully pull some of those guys in and help take care of their own type thing. And, uh, and I know several players that have worked with you personally in your capacity have commented on how great it was that, you know, you would give them the resources, point them in the direction they needed to go so that they could do what they had to do. Um, what do you think is the biggest, uh, hurdle right now exists out there for a, a guy that is plays long enough to be vested mm-hmm. and, and then retires and takes that uniform off. And especially for guys whose identity may be tied to that uniform. Certainly, um, What do you think the biggest challenges are for those types of players right now?
1: Transitioning to corporate America, um, be it wherever you land or starting your own business. If you've had the Proper practice and engaged while you were playing as a player, mm-hmm. and uh, accepted some of the information and truly accepted it, even if it's financial advice. Uh, I'm basically looking at a young man who plays in NFL. Call Ka- 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 Habib. That was with Kent, Cleveland Browns, and now he's with Tampa. Mm-hmm. Who's basically I feel like is an amazing young man that provides financial advice to current players. Wow. Which is, you know, basically, you know, one of those things where you're like, wow, this kid's awesome. And I watched the Hard Knocks, and I went, this, this is unbelievable. And I'm, and I'm, and, and you know, you catch yourself talking to the TV, telling, hey, you guys better listen to this, this guy because he knows what he's talking about. That's awesome. He can help you save your, you know, basically uh, put your future in check, where you can actually have reserves when you leave the NFL, and if you're having a struggle trying to find the right job, the right company to work for mm-hmm. or start your own business. You'll have those resources, financial resources uh, that we talk about all so dearly. When we leave the NFL, what do we have left that we plan while we were playing or did we basically ex- just sort of float alone and think we're going to play forever and that we can transition and still have funds available to us. As players, you take on a lot of responsibility. You take on family responsibility. You have relatives that reach out to you sometimes that are struggling. You want to try and help them. You can't help everyone, but you try your best to do the best you can. Sure. To put your arms around a lot of. And then, of course, you have uh, some community services that you're involved with. It gives you an opportunity to stay engaged in your communities, regardless of where you're playing. And when you come back home, you want to feel the same warmth and fuzzy that you had when you were a player in those other communities, and sometimes that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, based on you know leaving the NFL, however you left, you had an opportunity to provide and also build financial uh, stability for yourself. Um, even though the funds that we played for uh, back in the 80s and 90s they, they weren't as great as they are now, sure. but they were still, it was still enough where you didn't, or if you didn't plan, it didn't work out for you. But if you did, it gave you an opportunity to move forward in life. And I have seen a lot of success from guys that are, uh, in position as financial advisors, guys that are in position working for banks, guys that are in position working for companies and software, uh, like myself, I mm-hmm. work for a software company
0: mm-hmm.
1: past 20 years. I was very fortunate to walk off the football field into the Miami Dolphins front office as a player program coordinator, uh, building a resume for myself with the organization as a player. Right. And then of course, using that resume for things I did in the community to put me in a position to work for the organization as an employee after football and, um, having that responsibility, For about three years, and, you know, basically after Coach retired, I basically got an opportunity to move in a different direction as well.
0: That's awesome. I know that, uh, that, you know, there's an old, I think it's Henry Ford quote that said a lot of people miss work because it shows up in overalls and, and, uh, or no, they miss opportunity because it shows up in overalls and looks like work. Exactly. And uh, I think too many times... You know, you see guys that don't you use the keyword. It's you've got to see the challenges and opportunity and, and how you can use it to your advantage and put yourself in a position to win. Um, coach, what I like to do is uh is there's a hundred other things we could talk about. My mind's flying, but I wanted to kind of get to this uh the, the end piece of this uh with the two minute drill. But I, I have I saw an interesting interview and I wanna and, and this really touched me. Okay. Um, I, I saw an interview where you talked about Billy Ray Hobley. Oh, you yeah. You had a cousin that played <laughs> for the Harlem Globetrotters.
1: Also have a, had a cousin that played for the Generals, which was his nephew. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. So Elijah, he uh, played for the Generals. Billy Ray played for the Globetrotters right out of Dillard University. Cool. Uh here's a yeah, here's a guy that probably could have played according to Magic Johnson. We imagine I had a conversation at a Super Bowl party uh back in ninety six or so when the Cowboys and the Steelers played. Mm-hmm. And I walked up, introduced myself, and he went, Billy Ray Hobley. I went, first cousin. And he went, man, that guy could have played in the NBA for a long time.
0: No kidding.
1: And uh, he chose to play for the Harlem Globetrotters. He wanted to see the world, so he got to see the world probably about three
0: times. Well, you know, it's funny because we all have – you know, there's always a means to an end and we all have certain desires that we, I mean, me being a retired military, I, I, I mean, I love doing this because we get to travel and, you know, I get to see a lot of guys I don't see real regularly. So, oh, you yeah. know, it's, it's all about what you want to get out of it sometimes. I That's think. for so sure. It's a credit to your, uh, credit to your first cousin. That's awesome. Um, what I want to do is, is kind of roll through about eight or 10 questions here and we'll ad lib a little bit as we go. But, uh, I, I want to start out with, uh, when you look back at, the, what you talked about initially, starting out in your football journey, do you have a particular coach from your youth days, whether it would be you know, even up to middle school and high school, that stands out in your mind that was influential in your journey in the football?
1: I tell you what, my endurance journey came from Frank Ashley, who was my first coach. No kidding. He was a track guy at my high school, uh, played a little football as well, and uh, he was my first coach. And that's who actually started me out at center and later on he found out that he can not only play center he can play every position on the field <laughs> but i stayed in that position and that was you know great for me my first time going out as a football player he was one of those guys that drilled it toughness hard work pays off and it even resonates today those that same those same words hard work pays off sure. i was getting as a 10 year old kid back then and then, of course, getting to a next level, uh, working with middle school coaches that were, um, that were former college players like uh, Coach Gerald at Broadmoor Junior High and Coach Mays at Broadmoor Junior High and then moving into Bird High School to work with Coach Jerry Burden, who was a former San Francisco 49er, was basically one of those things that he never talked about. He never talked about his accolades being an All-American from northwestern Louisiana as a running back and playing two ways in the NFL back <laughs> in his day. And uh, he was one of those guys that I stayed in touch with my entire career.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a, do you have a favorite uh, game or play or any of in that period that stands out in your mind that was instrumental in Well, you?
1: it was one of those things where, you know, basically we moved into a community mm-hmm. where the rival high school was located my senior year. Wow. And it wasn't, it took three weeks before I found out that, you know, basically there was two guys that live six houses down. They went to the rival high school, which was Woodlawn. And they told their coach that I lived down the street from them. And I actually almost ended up going to Woodlawn my senior year and not playing any football at all. Wow. So I ended had to go live with my father, which who lived in the uh, Bird High School district. I missed three days of practice that week. We were already engaged at three games into the season. Didn't get to practice. We played Northwood High School, which one of the schools that Coach Bird actually ended up at. Um, this is the most memorable game I could probably think of because I got to play both sides of the ball. Awesome. Uh, for the only time that year, uh, they had one of the top receivers in the state uh Raymond cows and Coach goes, uh, hey, I know you haven't practiced but played you know, got a lot of work in this week, but I want to need you to go both ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, no problem, Coach. I got it. And uh that was one of the games where, you know, basically I think it was more anger at the Whitlawn head coach mm-hmm. that I scored three touchdowns that night offensively. And picked off a pass and ran it back for 102 yards.
0: Wow. Well so that was
1: one of the most memorable games in high schools that I have ever had. That's so, awesome. That some...
0: That's great. What about, uh, when you went through, uh, and by, by the way, it dawned on me a minute ago, you talked about your track coach. Um, uh, but Ed Orgeron just recently during a recruiting trip told the coach where he was, he said, I, I like to recruit track. Guys. Oh, he, he does. Goes, you know, and, and, it, and it, you know, it shows when you see all the team speed they put on the field. So that, sure. I thought that was interesting. When you got to LSU, is there a, uh, uh, a, a game situation or play that necessarily stands out in your mind as, as being one that is very memorable?
1: Well, I tell you what, it's uh, LSU, the four years, the five years actually I was there. I, it was just amazing to walk into that stadium every on the Saturday nights that you got an opportunity. And uh, I could probably, the most memorable one was my, one of my sophomore year. Playing against Alabama on September fifth, start of the uh, you know start of the season that year, we playing Alabama, which is unusual, mm-hmm. uh, but um, get an opportunity to play in that game as a sophomore, after playing in just a few games your freshman year, but uh, get an opportunity to play in that game. But I blew out my shoulder. Ouch! That was memorable. Uh, second quarter, uh, trying to well actually not trying throwing the ball back spinning around on a one yard line, a punter hits a great one. I put it down. And unfortunately one of my teammates didn't down the ball, he actually slid into the end zone with it. <laughs> All you had to do was touch it. But you know, sitting out that entire year, but getting an opportunity to actually focus on everything around you, including mm-hmm. school sure, was uh, played a major part because one of my teammates who was the uh, Magnum Cum Laude, um, uh, of LSU for each year he was in school, James Britt blew out, broke his forearm. So he and I run the walking wounded for the whole year. <laughs> we both redshirted and got to play against, got to play again with each other. That's awesome.
0: uh, his fifth year. That's cool. That's really cool. What about away from uh, away from football nowadays when you're not doing something with the uh, Alumni Association or whatever? What do you enjoy? What activities, non-football activities do None you foo- enjoy?
1: Well, it's hard to get out of non-football activities, but because here's the other part. Uh, I'm involved with the uh, Women's National Football Conference. I'm, oh, on, okay. I'm on the board of a women's professional football group. They have 16 teams around the country. Dallas has a team. Houston has a team. San Antonio um there's you know multiple teams in other states as well. Uh this past year the Dallas team played in the uh, first Super Bowl last last summer. Mm, cool. They started their they'll start their season um in a few weeks in about a week or two and then of course it goes through June and I think our selected location for the championship is going to be Mexico.
0: Oh, that'll be sweet. Which will
1: be pretty neat because they love football and, uh, it's going to be in one of the, and then of course they have a huge women's soccer following in that Mexico area. Mm -hmm. So I'm pleased that we chose that venue. So with that said, uh, there's a great group of women running this organization. Uh, there's a few men that are involved that are team owners, but to see this, the challenge and the focus, I watched. I got to coach the all-star game, mm-hmm. which was amazing to do against Jen Welter, my good friend. Sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> I first, know one of her. I've never yeah, met Jen. She's the first uh, woman professional football coach with the Cardinals. Right. Um, and Jen and I have known each other for a long time, and that's been her hopes and dreams. Ever since I met her, she told me, I want to coach in the NFL. And I said, hey, you stick to the course, and you will get an opportunity, and she has. Uh, there's other young ladies that are involved in coaching, uh, at the NFL level, which I know, and I, I'm very proud of them. And it's amazing to see how they've actually built themselves up to be awesome. a part of that.
0: That's great. What about, uh, what about when, when nobody's looking, you got a, a favorite snack food that you, uh, you, you give into periodically. Well, I spent a
1: lot of time at this restaurant here in, uh, Irving, uh, uh, Las Galinas called walk um. You know, seafood restaurant, Ooh. straight out of Louisiana, um, created by a couple of my alumni brothers uh, that attended LSU as basketball players, walk-on basketball players.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: And they've created a huge network of great restaurants uh, with the same product. Uh, Spent a lot of time uh, sitting at, in a restaurant. I go there maybe two or three times a week. My favorite food, there's the Devil on Horseback. Huge fried shrimp, wrapped in bacon, and battered oh my god crispily battered it's 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 just amazing (laughs) that that does sound wonderful that
0: sounds great what about uh when you when you look back on your playing career uh with the dolphins in particular since that was the bulk of of your professional career do you have a a person that sticks out as a as a best all-time teammate or one or two maybe there was
1: a there was a few guys uh glenn blackwood is definitely one of them lyle blackwood those guys, you know, basically when I was coming in Mm that next year to make the team in 87 Lyle was on his way out and was giving me all the, everything I needed. Glenn was there. And basically when you walk into an organization and guys see, Hey, this guy can actually play. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's get, let's get moving. We want to move in the right direction. We want to stay on the same path. Um, getting together with those guys and working with them during that coming back that next year was amazing.
0: That's awesome. Even though we
1: went on strike two weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to Everybody's be Everybody's
0: got their challenges to deal with, right? <laughs> that's, that's for sure. That's good. What, uh, what, in terms of kind of a closing shot, what, if you, uh, for, in kind of a for the good of the game uh, type of focus, if you were talking to the young Lifford Hobley or a, a kid that you run into, maybe the high school son of a friend of yours now, what kind of things do you impart on them based on your journey and what you learned you know, throughout your years in football and your, the continuation mm-hmm. of what you're doing? What kind of advice would <clears throat> you have for young people nowadays getting into football?
1: Well, I tell you what, um, there's a movie that was released about a year ago. One of my teammates, uh, Tony Nathan, his story. If you want to see something real, that's going to motivate you, watch that movie. It's an amazing story about him. And the progression of how players got very little opportunity, but he exceeded every obstacle in his way. And it's one of my best friends today it's just and i will tell
0: you i can i can i saw the very early parts of that from a personal perspective because he was a teammate of mine at woodlawn high school when i was in high school (laughs) so i and and i can't remember if we've talked about that before or not but no we haven't yeah Yeah. but but i yeah i tony was a senior when i was a i'm sorry he was a junior when Uh i was a freshman Uh at woodlawn and uh you know he was very very unusual uh at that point in time that was in 1973 right and he was a four sport letterman Yeah, and one of his four sports, which is a little unusual for an African-American student at that mm-hmm. time was golf, golf. He was a tremendous yeah. golfer. He is so, still is. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm going to have to link back up with him and something through you. That's great.
1: All but right. there, there's an opportunity, you know, basically like you said, for kids that if they're looking at and what they l- want to see, like I said, that's a good movie to watch, you know? And then of course. A few other things that I think are going to be important would be uh, where are we going with health care in the future mm-hmm. for former players? If Will, or will there be an opportunity uh, for former players to have health care with the new collective bargaining agreement uh, being signed this year? We'll see where that goes.
0: Okay. Well, I, I again, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I know you stay busy with all the activities you got and uh, with all the uh, additional responsibilities besides having a regular job. So we really appreciate you being on For the Good of the Game. And I just want to remind everybody out there, whenever you're out there doing anything for the game of football, remember, do it for the good of the game. We'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for joining us. Please be sure to save this episode to your favorites and subscribe to the podcast.